Alhamdulillah, today is the 26th of March in the year 2023. Alhamdulillah, we've moved on to the fourth blessed day of the holy month of Ramadan. And I've reached the remaining third of the verse 3 of Surah Ma'idah. So, to spend the session completing the commentary of this verse. So the verse continues by saying, This day have those who disbelieve, give up all hope of your religion, yet fear them not, but fear me. This day have I perfected your religion for you, completed my favor upon you, and have chosen for you Islam as your religion. But if any is forced by hunger with no inclination to sin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is indeed of forgiving the most merciful. So at the beginning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This day have those who disbelieve given up hope of your religion. So there's a report. In Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he recited this portion. He explained, they gave up hope that Muslims would revert to their religion. So, what does this mean? So, why did the unbelieving Quraysh give up hope that those who embrace Islam will now leave their religion? So long as Islam was not organized with its own community, its own laws, the unbelievers had hoped to wean the believers from the new teaching. Now that hope was gone with the complete organization of Islam. So look at all these detailed laws that Allah is revealing. So when all of this manifested to the unbelievers, they said there's no way they're going to leave their religion because they have now been given a complete code of conduct as they say. And this is why there's a hadith in Sahih Muslim where our beloved Messenger said, <coughs> Shaitan has given up hope that those who pray in the Arabian Peninsula will worship him, but he still will stir trouble up amongst them. So here, what does this mean? The Prophet was saying in the Jazeera, the Arabian Peninsula, Shaitan's given up hope that there's going to be shirk, but he will still try to stir up enmity and hatred amongst them. So this is echoing what's being mentioned here. So even shaitan's given up hope in that part of the world. Yet fear them not, but fear me. And then, this is the famous part of the verse. This day have I perfected your religion for you, completed my favor upon you, and have chosen for you Islam as your religion. So the first thing to point out, even though this is a famous passage, Many are oblivious to the fact it's only a very small fraction of the entire verse. Many are oblivious to the fact where this is found. What's the context? So, what's the, so there's a few reports. So first of all, there's a hadith. This hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 45. Sayyid Muslim, number 3017. Nasai, number 5017. 
Tirmidhi number 3054, Ahmad in his Musnad Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Tariq Ibn Shihab, he relates, A Jew said, Had this verse been revealed to us, we would have taken that day as Eid. Umar radiyallahu asked, What verse? The Jews said, and they recited this portion, Al-Yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati wa raditu lakum al-Islam deenan. Umar radiyallahu thereupon said, I know the place where it was revealed. It was revealed while Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was staying at Arafat. And what day can be better than that? <laughs> so what happened? Again, Bani Israel had nothing better to do. Because if this verse was revealed to us, this portion of the verse, we would have made it Eid. So Umar goes, which, which verse? And he recited this portion. He goes, it was revealed on the day of Arafat. Because what's greater than that? Meaning, are you trying to teach us our religion? But there's another report. So this is recorded in Tirmidhi, number 3055, who states, Hassan Sahih Gharib, uh, Abu Dawud at Tayalisi, number 2709, Mishkat, and Shaykh al-Bani, authenticates it in Sahih Sunan at Tirmidhi, number 3044. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, to a Jew, it was revealed on a day which contains two Eids, on a Friday and on the day of Arafat. So Ibn Abbas actually told a Jew, he goes, you're saying you would have made it Eid on that day? He goes, it was, there was two Eids. It was Jumba, which is a greater than Eid, the Prophet mentions in Allah, and it was Arafat. So what, what, what are you talking about? So note, we now know where this verse was revealed. It was revealed at Arafat, on a Friday, which is called Haji Akbar. So now there's another report. In Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir in their tafsirs, it's mentioned, when this verse was revealed during the great day of Hajj, Arafat, this was in, uh, also in Ahmad on a Friday, number 188, Umar burst into tears, Rasulullah said, وسلم, <coughs> what makes you weep, O Umar? Umar radiallahu said, what made me weep is that our religion is being perfected for us. Now it is perfect, nothing is perfect, but it is then bound to deteriorate. The Prophet sallallahu said, you have spoken the truth, O Umar. So this was a very profound statement from Umar radiallahu. So this verse was revealed, is Eid. People are happy on the day of Eid. Umar is weeping. So the Prophet asks, and what did he say? Look at his deep wisdom. He said, perfection. Allah Ta'ala says, akmalt, kamal. Perfection. What comes after perfection except deterioration? And the Prophet said, you've spoken the truth. Now why is this report very important for us to put into our minds in today's day and age? Because the whole hallmark of the West is that they have the slogan of progress. So you say to a person, I don't believe in LGBT. Because, oh, you're still stuck in the past. <coughs> people have progressed. Mm. You have to progress. So our response to that is, no, people haven't progressed. Mm. They've deteriorated. Mm. And that happened 1,400 years ago. Mm. And the guy looks at him, what the heck are you talking about? He goes, on the day of Arafat, mm. Omar said, perfection, now a deterioration. He goes, we're now at the end of that deterioration. Mm. 
So again, this is very important to highlight here. So these are the authentic reports with regards to this, this verse. However, there's other reports. So there's a report. And Abu Huraira radiallahu he said, the one who fasted on 18th of Zulhijjah, so this is eight days after Eid, will receive a reward equal to 60 months of fasting. That's five years fasting. This was the day of Ghadir Khum, when the Prophet وسلم, holding Ali's hand said, Am I not the wali of the believers? Am I وسلم, not the guardian of the believers? They said, Yes, of course, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet وسلم, said, The one who has me as his mawla has Ali as his mawla. Upon this, Umar ibn al-Khattab said, Congratulations, O son of Abu Talib. You are my master and the master of every Muslim. Upon this, Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse. Today I have perfected your religion for you. So where is this recorded? So this is recorded in Khatib al-Baghdadi in his Tariq 8-290, Wahidi in his Asbab al-Nuzul, page 108, Imam Razi in his Tafsir Kabir 11-139, Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimishq 45-176 Al-Bidayah 5-464 Tabrani in his Ausat 3-324 And Imam Sayyuti in his Ad-Dur Al-Mantur So now Is there a problem here? Yes Where was this verse revealed? According to the Sayyid Hadith Arafat What is the date of Arafat? On Zul Hijjah The 9th This is saying 18th that's the first problem. The second problem is it's saying that it was Ghadiri Khum. This is where the Prophet got hold of Ali's hand. And then Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse. So now who believes that? The Rawafid. Because the reason that this verse was revealed today I have perfected your religion was because Imamat was finally given. Imamat was given to Ali. Mm-hmm. And he goes, if you don't believe that, you have not accepted anything of the message. <laughs> and he goes, Allah Ta'ala stamped it by saying the deen has been completed. And if you fast in commemoration of that day, you get the reward of fasting six years mm-hmm. or five years. So no problem. Giving you the references. Is it authentic? Mm-hmm. So what did Imam Sayyuti say? Imam Suyuti Rahmatullah in his Al-Itqan, volume 1, page 26 of the English translation, he talks about this and he says, The sound hadith mentioned that Umr mentioned it was Arafat. And of course Ibn Abbas. Then he said, Imam Suyuti, according to a hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudli, related by Ibn Mardawih, it was revealed on the day of Ghadiri Khum. The same is mentioned from Abu Huraira, which I just mentioned. He goes, both these narrations are not correct. <laughs> so Imam Sayyuti says, no, not accepted. He goes, these are not correct chains of transmission uh, with regards to the matter. So Imam Sayyuti went as far as to say, I'm not happy with it. What did Shaykh al-Bani say? <laughs> Shaykh al-Bani, he says about these reports. In his As Sahiha, number 4922, fabricated. 
he doesn't even mince his words. He goes, this is just like chip shop paper. Somebody just made it up. He also says in his ad daifa number 4923. So both of these references are in his ad daifa and he goes, fabricated. He goes, there's no such thing as this verse being revealed. But what is very important to highlight, the Prophet did on the 18th hold Ali's hand. And there was a whole incident behind that. But this verse wasn't revealed there. This is what's being contested. Why? Because the Rawafid said this is completion of your Iman. <laughs> that verse was revealed nine days earlier at Arafat. Have you understood? So again, note, if you authenticate, you don't end up in a mess. But if you're not bothered about authentication, then some Sunnis, you know, which is strange, they're faster than that day. Because you get the reward of five years, and he goes, fabricated report. What are you, what are you acting upon a fabricated report for? Right? So note again, you can see that there's, you know, erroneous elements adding things about this verse. So, let's look at the verse now. So, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? This day have I perfected your religion for you, completed my favor to you, chosen Islam as your religion. So, now what does that mean? So, there's a few reports. So, this narration is recorded in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad 4-126, Ibn Majah number 43, Ibn Abi Asim in his Sunnah number 49, Abu Nu'im al-Hakim in his Mustadrak 1-175, Abu Nu'im said Sahih. Hakim states Sahih. Mundiri in his Targheeb says a good hadith. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Tarnaktukum alal bayda'i layluha ka nahariha. I have left you on the clear path. Its night is like its day. So the Prophet was saying at the end of his blessed life sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I've made it clear, just like night and day. There's nothing left to be said. And of course, he's referring to this passage. Allah Ta'ala goes, it's complete, it's finished. So now, two other reports, clarifying further. So this narration is recorded in Behaki Tabarani and Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah states Sahih. Our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I have not left anything that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has ordered of you except that I have ordered you to do it. And I have not left anything which he has prohibited for you except I have prohibited it for you. So how explicit is that? The Prophet said, I've told you everything. Everything halal, I've told you. Everything haram, I've told you. Now why is he saying that? Because there's nothing left to be said. So if somebody starts adding something, where have you come from? Right? Somebody starts saying, this is, where have you come from? The Prophet goes, it's done, it's finished. And also, in another report it mentions, the Prophet said in Hakim Sahih, Zahabi Sahih, there is nothing which will bring you closer to paradise, remove you farther from the hell, except I have commanded you to do it. So, the mat is clear, meaning there's nothing left to be said. But unfortunately, people still innovate. This is also ibadat. How is it ibadat? Well, you know, you look between the lines and this, that, and the other. It's like saying the Prophet hasn't completed the job. He's told you, I've left. There's nothing left to be said. Everything that takes you to paradise, how explicit is that? So what are you doing that deed for? It's taking me to paradise. So the Prophet didn't complete the job. You're negating his words. 
Brother, that's haram. But the Prophet didn't say it's haram. Where have you come from? Right? So no people are adding and, this, and detracting from the deen. So now what's interesting, look at the verse. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He says two things. So when he said the deen, he said akmalt. What does that mean? <coughs> so in Ma'rif of Quran, volume 3, page 50, Mufti Shafi, he said, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he explains that the perfection of Iman, akmal, refers to the perfection of all limits, obligations, injunctions, refinements in personal and social behavior as necessary for true Iman. Now there is no need to add to it, nor there remains any probability of a shortfall. So Ibn Abbas said it because there's nothing left to be done. It's done, but it's sealed. This is in Ruh al-Ma'ali. Mufti Shafi said, For this reason, no new injunction from amongst the total corpus of injunctions was revealed after this verse. As already pointed out, the few verses revealed after carry either some subjects of persuasion or were a reiteration of injunctions already revealed. So what was Mufti Shafi saying? He was saying that the very few verses that were revealed after this they were just in terms of Iman to give you strength or it was repeating what's already being revealed. Meaning there's nothing left after that verse. There's nothing new. Then Mufti Shafi says, Rahmatullah page 51, the words of the Quran is Akmal. If you look at the verse, what is it? Al-Yawma Akmaltu Lakum Deenakum. Akmal, then he explains, Ikmal perfection has been coupled with the Deen. Al-Yawma Akmaltu Lakum Deenakum. So how does Allah describe the Deen? Ikmal, meaning it's perfected. But then what does he say next? وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي When he says ni'mah, he goes atmamtu. The word itmam, completion, goes with ni'mah. Both words, ikmal and itmam, are obviously synonymous and are generally used interchangeably. But there is a difference in the sense they both carry. This has been explained by Imam Rahib Isbihani in his Murfradat al-Qur'an by saying, Ikmal and takmil of something, Ikmal and takmil of something, the deen means that the purpose and objective behind it has been accomplished. So I'll say it again. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Al yawma akmaltu deenukum. What does that mean? According to Imam Rahim al Isfahani, he said, Ikmal. Perfection of something in the deen means the purpose and objective behind it has been accomplished. There's a purpose behind the deen because it's, it's accomplished. Then he says, the other word itmam, which is used for ni'mah, means that nothing else is needed anymore. Thus, perfection of Iman tells us that the purpose of sending divine law and injunctions of faith in the world stands fulfilled, perfected, and completion of blessing means that Muslims do not have to depend on anyone anymore. <laughs> so there's a very slight difference between Ikmal and Atmant. But Allah said both, so that you realize there's nothing left to be said. And then Mufti Shafi says in Ma'rifu Quran, volume 3, page 52, 
the meanings as established here clarify that the perfection of Iman today does not mean that earlier the faith of the blessed prophets was imperfect. Contrary to this, the deen of every prophet and messenger was perfect and complete in terms of the relevant period of time. This is in Tafsir Bahal al-Muhid with reference to Al-Qafal al-Marwazi. So every prophet was given a perfect deen for their time. Rasulullah is the final messenger. So Allah Ta'ala added something. At I have completed it. Meaning there's nothing left. Now why is this so important to understand? If you understand this, then why on earth would anybody dare to innovate? When you say innovate, it sounds like an innocent word. Oh, you see something extra, brother. Extra. No problem. What about Surah 5 verse 3? Then the guy looks at you. He goes, oh, you don't need Quran here, right? So then you say, Allah has perfected his uh, deen. And he's perfected his blessing. And he goes, so what's your point? So what have you added? It's to do with the deen. So you've negated the verse. No, 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 Allah made a mistake. Is that what you're saying? Right? And the guy goes, oh, I didn't mean that. Well, either Allah has completed it or you've completed it. Which one is it? Right? So note, the Quran is clear. Right? And yeah, people start going straight to hadiths. No, no, brother, no, no, kullu doesn't mean kullu, it means this and that. I think, brother, look, just look at the Quran and realize what's taking place. So, then the verse concludes, what does it say? But if any is forced by hunger with no inclination to transgression, Allah Ta'ala is indeed of forgiving the most merciful. So, look how interesting. That passage is actually a part of the verse. And yet, people think it's a verse. It's actually only a fraction of a long verse of Maidah. The verse actually continues after that. What does Allah, Allah then say in the same verse? If any is forced by hunger with no inclination to sin, Allah, Allah is of forgiving the most merciful. So here Ibn Kathir in his Tafsir, volume 3, page 95, what does he say? Of the English translation. He quotes this verse, the passage that he says, When one is forced to take any of the impermissible things, that Allah Ta'ala mentioned to meet a necessity, he is allowed. <coughs> Allah Ta'ala is of forgiving, most merciful with him. Allah the Almighty is well aware of his servant's needs during dire straits. He will forgive and pardon his servant in this case. Then he quotes a hadith. In Ibn Himan in his Sahih 4-182, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said, Allah the Almighty loves that his concession be used just as he hates that disobedience to him is committed. Look how interesting. When Allah gives you a ruhsa, he means a concession and you don't take it. What did the Prophet say? He goes, Allah hates that just like you've disobeyed him. Now, why is that important? Because you get some religious neurosis. People think they're pious. So, for instance, Allah says in a concession that you, you don't need to fast if you travel. We said that. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, somebody goes, right, I'm not fasting. Then you get the religious neurosis kicking in. Brother, why aren't you fasting? I don't need to fast. Yeah, but it's Ramadan, brother. But Allah give me a concession. Yeah, but it's still better to fast, isn't it? The guy is ill. 
you say to him, but didn't the Prophet say, Allah Ta'ala loves that his concession be taken. Just as he dislikes that disobedience to him is committed. But if the person didn't say anything, no problem. You can fast, you don't need to fast. But if you interject him, you're ill, brother. You're mentally ill. Then Ibn Kathir said, we should mention here that it is not necessary for one to wait three days before eating the meat of dead animals. As many unlettered Muslims mistakenly think, rather one can eat such meat when the need arises. So this is Ibn Kathir highlighted that. You get some ruling and it was in his time as well. He goes, three days if you got pork, you can't touch it. After three days you can have your, have, you know, eat some. He goes, where did you get that from? Then he quotes a hadith. This hadith is in Imam Ahmad's Musnad number 21,948, 21,951, Behaki in his Sunan al-Kubra 9-356, Sayyid. To the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim, Ibn Kathir said, <coughs> Abu Waqid al-Layti said, The companions asked, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, We live in a land where famine often strikes. Therefore, when we are, are we allowed to eat the meat of dead animals? At the beginning of the verse, does Allah allow, allow you to eat dead animals? No. So they're asking, because famine is always hitting our land. Can we eat dead animals? The Prophet said, When you neither find food for lunch and dinner, nor have any produce to eat, eat from it. So the Prophet was saying daily, if you haven't got food, eat. So now what's interesting, how merciful is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how unmerciful are human beings. There's the difference. Allah doesn't want you to suffer. These people's farm is always hitting us, Ya Rasulullah. So they were expecting the Prophet did something like this. After a week, you can talk it. Because if you haven't got food for lunch and dinner, eat. Now look how interesting. Ibn Kathir then said in his tafsir, 96, page 96, he said, Some scholars use this verse as evidence that those who travel for the purpose of committing sin are not allowed to use any of the legal concessions of travel because these concessions are not earned through sin and Allah Ta'ala knows best. Now what's interesting about that? Look at the verse. Allah Ta'ala says right at the end of the verse, but if any is forced by hunger with no inclination to sin. So when you're traveling over 48 miles, because oh yeah, you can show on your prayer now, can't you? I'm going to fornicate. Right? And he goes, you're still going over 48 miles, but I'm going to I'm going to fornicate, brother. So some scholars say, sorry, the concession is only in place if there's no sin. But the Hanafi state, it doesn't matter. You committed a sin with your intention, but it's to be reduced still. But whatever the case, this verse is a powerful proof against that. Because it mentions clearly not intending to sin. Now just to add this to finish. There's a ruling that the scholars have given. And this is recorded by Hafiz al-Sarakhshi in al-Mabsut 10-154, Hafiz al-Shatibi in al-Muwafaqat 4-145. 
the authorities on Islamic jurisprudence have formulated the following principles regarding necessity. Necessities legalize exception to prohibitions. And also Imam Nawi in Al-Majmu 1-576 and Imam Siyuti in Al-Ashbah wa Al-Nazail page 83. It mentions Al-Amru Ida Daqat Tasak Al-Amru Ida Daqat Tasak When a matter constricts, it dilates and expands. Look at these beautiful phrases. <laughs> in the books of jurisprudence, what does it say? Necessity legalizes exceptions to the haram something is absolutely haram necessity opens it up the other quote in the books of jurisprudence when a matter is constricted it expands and dilates same principle where have they got those formulas from the quran and the sunnah so note here and also just to add some people use this to prove you can have a mortgage it's a necessity, right? And the response is, it's not a necessity. You can rent, right? So again, this is where they're getting this, these rulings from, you know, subhanAllah. So note here, the verse com is completed with this. Now, just a point. What did the authority say about this surah? Was it revealed all at once? It was revealed all at once according to a hadith. But some authorities say at Hudaybiyah it was revealed. Conquest of Makkah, it was revealed. And the farewell pilgrimage. This is probably the most famous part of the surah. This day I have perfected my... Where was that? Arafat? It can't be Hudaybiyah. It can't be the conquest of Makkah. It was during the farewell Hajj. So no, that seems to be the most likely scenario. It was revealed at Hudaybiyah. Farewell, uh, the conquest and also the farewell Hajj which is proved. So I'll recite the final portion of the verse and we will conclude. we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an with the view of our hearts. So we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives me for any errors which I may have been working in order. So we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an with the view of our hearts. So we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an with the view of our hearts. So we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an with the view of our hearts.